Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. Communication in veterinary medicine has always been important, but if the pandemic and the surge of younger owners has taught us anything, it's more important now than ever to make sure we are communicating with our clients the way that they want to be communicated with. And of course, this is going to look different for every client. Every client's going to have a different personality, a different amount of information they're going to want to want, a different set of trust they're going to have for you, and they're going to have that at different times. But what do we know about client communication in veterinary medicine? Well, what's hard is that there's kind of limited information in the veterinary literature on veterinarian client patient communication. Uh, We know that it's based on expert opinion, anecdotal information, but there's just not quite as much peer-reviewed scientific studies out there. Now, we are starting to see more and more of these studies, which is very encouraging, but human medical communication literature has several studies over the years. But what do we know about this ideal physician-patient relationship? Say, if we dig out what's known in the human field in the little bit that has been studied in veterinary medicine. Well, back in the day, there would be a relationship called paternalism that would be accepted. With that relationship, the physician dominated. The physician or the doctor, the veterinarian set the agenda, set the goals, The patient didn't really have a voice. It was a bit diminished and it was a very biomedical discussion. You know, then there's this shift to patient-centered care. So it's a partnership. We share the decision-making between doctor and patient. The doctor serves as more of an advisor, a counselor of what is available. So, what do we see? Well, as a veterinarian, it's a bit different, right? Because we're an advocate for another living. The client is an advocate for another living being, which is different than if it's you yourself who is the client and the patient at the same time. So it is very much a relationship-centered care. So it's a joint venture, joint discussion between the veterinarian and the client. We have to respect the client's perspective, respect their interest, and recognize the role of the pet to the client. And this very much has kind of matched up what we have dealt with with our son, our three-year-old son who's going through leukemia. You know, I and my husband are essentially in that relationship-centered care. Your son's not making decisions for himself or bringing himself in if things aren't going well. We are working with the doctors as advocates for him. And this is how I would want to be treated and how we are treated as well. You know, we, of course, want direction. This is not where I am an expert uh, at by any means. But we also want our voices to be heard, our concerns to be heard, our questions to be answered. And not that we're questioning like, why, why is it that way and not another way? But why is it that way? What should we expect? You know, who do we call if things don't go right? What should we be watching for at home? 
are there other options if it's possible? So in that sense, it's very similar to what we want in veterinary medicine nowadays. The, you know, some of the younger generations that are owning pets now, they're really want to help make decisions. They're not just going to kind of accept that's the way it is. And maybe traditionally that it has been what we've seen. And some people may still want that, but really we're seeing a shift in the role that pets play in the family, right? They're truly a family member. And so they really want to know how to help, how to be advocates, what to watch for at home. And dermatology is no different. You know, caregiver burden is the range of problems encountered while providing care for a loved one that has an illness. So you're not the ill one, but you're providing care for someone who has an illness. And we know caregiver burden, there's truly studies that have shown it's higher in dogs that see dermatologists compared to a general population. And that's probably true for all specialties. But we know that if we work with the owner and control that disease, that they they essentially get normal caregiver burden, those owners. They're still doing all the things, the bathing, the medications. But if they understand why and they're working with someone, then that caregiver burden can be more normalized, which is, you know, part of what we hope to do. You know, in some of the studies that have been done, for example, there's a study in Jabman in 2008, and they looked at veterinarians and pet owners' perceptions of the veterinary client communication. And they would compare perceptions of client expectations and look at barriers that maybe are created. And they had six pet owner focus groups, four veterinarian focus groups. And they looked at five themes, educating the client, number two, providing choices, number three, using two-way communication, four, breakdowns in communication, and then five, what are the challenges for the veterinarians themselves? When they looked at pet owner expectations on education, most wanted information to be explained. The depth of that explanation was very dependent on the owner, which I can tell you as a dermatologist, We see that every day, everyone's different how in depth they want to go about medications, options, the information being presented up front. They didn't want secrets being withheld. They wanted to know what's the prognosis, what's the expectation and information to be available in lots of different forms, discharge instructions, handouts, things like that. For providing choices, they wanted a range of options if it's, you know, if it's possible So educate on cost, the benefits of each option, the prognosis of each options. But in the end, they want to be respected for their owner's decision. One quote from the paper said, I don't want a vet to make me feel guilty because I'm thinking about the financial costs. And even as a dermatologist, I can tell you not every owner who comes in the door can afford everything. Sometimes we have to really breadcrumb. We do a little bit today. We'll do a little bit in a month when we can. Um, Some can do everything. Some can't allergy test. They can't do these bigger things. And so we say, you know, that's okay. Let's, let's see what we are able to do. So even as a specialist, we have to work with owners in these realms as well. And then the partnership in their pets care owners really want to be involved. The third thing they looked at use of two way communication, use language clients understand communicate in lay terms. So I will describe atopic dermatitis as environmental allergies. I may also, because I write a lot on whiteboards, so it's visual for owners. I may also write environmental allergies slash atopic dermatitis just so they can understand it's different and we talk about that. But I would never just sit there and exam and throw around the term atopic dermatitis if that owner didn't have a medical background because it's just confusing for owners. 
Owners want vets to listen. So try to take the appropriate amount of time. I know this is hard. I'm always running behind in the clinic because I love to chat. I love to really focus on the owner, but whatever time you can really listen and take the appropriate amount of time with them. And you can still do this in a time efficient way and ask the right questions. Owners don't know what info to give. Ask them the right questions. Have them fill out a sheet ahead of time that can save you time as well. And then try to really direct your questions in the appropriate way so that they're guided. What are some of the breakdowns in communication we see? Not adequately, this is the fourth thing they looked at, not adequately um, being informed about a procedure that costs long-term implications. You know, they want to know if they're going to do something or they're going to anesthetize their pet. What are those risks? Even if it's rare, you know, if I do a deep ear flush, we talk about that they could get something like Horner syndrome. They could have a head tilt. Um, You know, they could be unsteady for a few days. They want to know that they don't want to be surprised by that. Um, Not being presented options or have the ability to exercise choice. One quote was, there's nothing worse than feeling like you're handicapped, you don't know what to do, or you're being shoehorned into a decision you don't really want to be in. So it kind of goes back to that, just making sure you're really talking to owners and giving them options. And if they don't want to do something, even, you know, within reason, if there's other options, let's discuss those. And finally, they just felt like sometimes owners that their concerns not may not be heard. Now, this is not just a one-sided street. The fifth thing they really looked at was the challenges for the veterinarians themselves, because there are difficulties on our sides too. One, discussions of costs. So we, as empathetic people by nature, veterinarians, we feel guilty or undervalued based on past experiences we've had, where an owner's upset by what we uh, charge, or, you know, we all probably heard, well, if you love my animal, you do it for free um, and feeling guilty if that's really not something that's realistic for us to do. Um, client misinformation. So we have to every day battle with all the information that we can have our pet owners get online, the internet, breeders, pet stores, other pet owners, social media groups. Um, there's so many different sources of misinformation and we have to battle that. And sometimes we are not looked upon as the best experts anymore. And that can be really, really hard. I'm having more than one client involved. We see this all the time with even something simple as itch score. You know, one client says, oh, no, they're an eight out of 10. The spouse says, oh, they're three out of 10. And so all of a sudden you have conflicting information. And then finally, a big challenge that came up in the study was lack of available time. You know, we're definitely booked in the clinic. We have wait lists. There's not enough veterinarians to service the animals out there. We're trying to kind of have that work-life balance, but also help wherever we can help. And that can be really hard. So those are, you know, the main things as far as client communication that really came out. Um, Looking at things like income, what can enhance veterinary income, longevity of our employees is huge. We don't want a lot of turnover. And that's why we really have to respect and work with our employees over their value and over them being happy in their job. And then obviously client satisfaction, we're going to have our clients coming back to us more and more. So as a dermatologist, these things definitely resonate with me. And that's where I really do, even though days can be hard in the clinic with communication, I really, really try to be, I've said it before on the offense, not the defense, you know, work with the owners. And yes, sometimes we get difficult clients too, or people that don't want to, you know, really work with us to work with their, to help their pet. 
But ultimately, if we can take a step back and realize everyone's got different situations financially, emotionally, what they can handle at home. And the last year dealing with our son, I can tell you, same has been for us. Like there's been times I've ignored my own pet's allergies. If we were dealing with our son having a hard time, you know, life happens. There's all these situations that can, that happen that we don't really know that our clients are going through day in and day out. And that doesn't excuse things like aggression or rude behavior, but sometimes forgetting certain things, um, you know, not coming in, forgetting to schedule a six month recheck, um, running out of medications at the last second and wanting a quick refill. You know, these are all things that it's easy for us to say, oh gosh, like how could they? Um, and not to say there's not people that don't take advantage of that, but there's just also a crazy world out there. And so I really try to be empathetic of owners, you know, strong and protective of my clients and my staff for sure. Still, I won't tolerate again, rude, abusive behavior, but also just trying to give the benefit of the doubt, especially if it's an owner that doesn't have a routine of doing this. So client communication is so huge. I think we're going to be seeing more and more of this coming out in years to come, more studies, which we need in veterinary medicine. I definitely know that there's a big emphasis on this in dermatology because we are such a conversation heavy specialty. We're really working with owners. We're dealing with multimodal things. And so it's very important in our field, but many aspects of veterinary medicine, this is true too. And I hope that you found this kind of review of some of these studies from the human field and the veterinary field helpful. And you can kind of rethink the way you want to communicate with clients and put yourselves in their shoes. If you had to deal with something such as what we're dealing with in our lives with our son, you know, how would you want to be communicated with? Would you want to be berated if, you know, life got crazy and you forgot, you forgot to refill a medication until the last second, you forgot to schedule something, you know, just really working with people and putting yourselves in their shoes when possible. So we can all advocate for these pets and help them.